0: Welcome everyone to Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I'm your host, author Liz Tolzma. I'm so glad that you were able to join us for this very special episode because we have a fabulous guest that we will be getting to in a short amount of time. Before we get to her, of course, please remember if you have not already subscribed to Christian Historical Fiction Talk, do so on your favorite podcasting platform so that you are sure to be informed of any time a new podcast goes live. You don't want to miss any of the guests that we have coming up in the next few months. There are some terrific ones that I have lined up and some great topics that we have coming up. Also, you can connect with Christian Historical Fiction Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So be sure to go over there and find us there and join the conversations that we have. It's always so much fun. And that's another great way to stay informed of when we have new episodes airing. I do want to apologize to everyone for not having a podcast out last week. I did promise you an episode on your favorite historical fiction series, and we will get to that. But sometimes life happens, and life happened last week for me, and I was not able to get that podcast recorded and put out the way that I wanted it to be. I do this all by myself. I do have a wonderful assistant who helps line up some of these authors and who helps with some of the graphics, but most of this is on me. So please accept my apologies for that. I thank you for your graciousness and your understanding for that. I do have your responses. I do have it partially finished, in fact. But I will go ahead and put that out at a different time when I have time to do it justice. I have gotten to know today's guest over the years, and I have to tell you, she is among the most gracious and wonderful ladies I have ever had the pleasure of knowing. She is a very devoted prayer warrior, which means so much to so many people. And she truly is an amazing woman. She is a best-selling, four-time award-winning author of nine novels. She and her husband divide their time between Northern Virginia and the Jersey Shore, where they are able to be with their grown children and their three grandchildren. She has worked as a school librarian, a drama director, and a director of children's and education ministries. She is a native North Carolinian and has always had a love for books and history. Please join me in welcoming to the show today author Kathy Golke. Welcome, Kathy. We are so glad to have you with us today. Thanks, Liz. I'm delighted to be here with you. It's always so much fun to catch up with you, and we've known each other for a while now. But for those listeners who haven't met you before, don't know much about you, why don't we just start with having you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, well,
1: I'm uh, Kathy Golke. I've been writing for Tyndale House Publishers for a bit over 10 years, and I love that. I love working with them. I write historical fiction, and my books, I would say, are purpose-driven and character-driven. And today I think we're going to be talking mostly about my ninth novel, Nightbird Calling.
0: That's right, we're going to. Why don't you tell us about Nightbird Calling? Nightbird Calling uh, takes
1: place in 1941, just as the nation is about to enter World War II. It's the story of Liliana Swope, a young woman whose beloved mother dies, and as soon as that happens, she learns that her husband and her father, who have both been abusive in the past, are plotting against her. So she flees her home and goes to North Carolina, to the foothills of North Carolina, where her great Aunt Hyacinth lives, and she finds refuge there. Great Aunt Hyacinth is blind and, and has not seen or been with Liliana since Liliana was five years old, but she welcomes her into her home. Slowly, Liliana finds refuge and friendship and revival in No Creek in this small town, but things don't go smoothly as as life is just like that. She makes friends, especially with a precocious 11-year-old Celia Percy and kind-hearted Reverend Jesse Willard and with Ruby Lynn Wishon, who is a young woman whose secrets are not unlike Liliana's own, but whose secrets could destroy both them and their town. And when young Celia comes up with the idea that they open Great Aunt Hyacinth's house to make this library, there's it's a it's a wonderful old estate with a huge library, And Celia comes up with the idea to open the library for everyone, regardless of the color of their skin. Well, it seems like a wonderful idea, but it draws some very unwanted attention from the Klan. So with war brewing for the nation and within her newfound community, Liliana must overcome a really hard truth voiced by Celia, young Celia. And that is that wishing comes easy, but change don't. So there's lots of suspense, lots of drama, and hopefully lots of healing that comes through the book for everybody.
0: And I read this book quite a while ago when it was still going through the publication process. I had the privilege of reading it, and it is Truly a wonderful book. Like you said, there's lots of suspense in it, but there's a message of hope and healing at the end, and a very positive message that comes through all the heartache and pain that these characters walk through. Thank you, Liz. Why write about what was still in the United States, a time of depression, and especially the South at that time when there was such great racial division? Well, I grew up mostly in the South
1: during the years of the civil rights movement. So I saw lots of racial divide and struggle. And I've always wanted to write about that. The whole issue of race has really puzzled me all my life. My very first book that I wrote was about the Underground Railroad and was set in North Carolina, primarily Maryland and North Carolina. And I just find that fascinating. I, at the time I wrote this book, all the things that have happened within the last year, the death of Mr. George Floyd, and so many other really difficult things, and tragic things had not happened in this country yet. So I did not write it in response to that. But because I really felt that need. It also just really coincided with the whole thing about domestic violence and church controllership that is involved in the novel. Any kind of abuse or control or oppression, I don't know, it just seems to feed other forms of oppression So these things really did walk together, and they still do walk together in different ways. But I also saw and see a strong correlation between the racial division in the United States and what happened in Nazi Germany at that time, especially the treatment of the Jews. There were other minorities badly treated as well. But the treatment of the Jewish people, the separating of them and the persecution that they endured, there are some strong similarities between what happened there and the viewpoints of what was going on in the United States at that time.
0: Yes, that's so true. We like to think that the United States was so enlightened and so different than Nazi Germany, but at the same time, we had the Jim Crow laws and everything that was happening with segregation and the racial divide in this country. So we weren't really all that different here in the United States than what was happening in Nazi Germany at that time.
1: Yeah, it's a matter of the heart. And there there were other things too. There was the whole eugenics program where Germany was trying to l- eliminate bloodlines that was not exclusive to Germany. That was happening in the United States with sterilization and in many other countries. I think the real difference there is that under Hitler, there were no checks and balances. You just really didn't have the opportunity. You could voice your opposition, but that usually ended in either arrest or death. So those attitudes were not confined to one country and I think that's really important for us to know and think about because it's easy to point our finger when we see a wrong but it's really a matter of the heart and what we think and how we act on how and what
0: we think. I think all of
1: that's important to remember.
0: So very true, very good points. You In this book, Nightbird Calling, touch on racial divisions, and you touch on abuse, among other things, as you mentioned. So some very difficult subjects that you tackle in this book. Was it a really hard book to write that way because of these topics?
1: Yes, it really was. I would say that this was one of the two Most emotional books for me that I've ever written. Certainly in the past, writing about the Holocaust was really difficult, especially in the book The Medallion, and the research for that was really horrific. But the emotional investment in this book, because I had endured an abusive marriage as a young woman and fled that marriage, that brought up a lot of memories for me and things that I would really rather forget. But at the same time, the Lord brought me through that. And over many years has worked within me to heal those wounds because those things just don't get all patched up overnight. Those wounds go deep. And I realized that even though it was not something I wanted to write about, there are so many people, especially women, who endure domestic violence. And it's so easy to believe when you've been abused over a long period of time that maybe you deserve that. Maybe you're not worthy. Maybe God can't possibly love you. And all of those things are lies from the enemy that just really wants to rob, kill, and destroy our lives. So I knew that it was important to write about the healing that God had provided for me and that he enables me to offer to others to point them to him. So that, while it was very difficult to write, it was also very important to write it. For me, this book, I think more than any other book I've written, it is a life legacy kind of a book. It's like, this is the thing the Lord's been doing in me. And this is what I hope to offer the reader for themselves or or perhaps someone they know. Or maybe it's even just to understand what it's like for a person who's been abused. It's so easy to think, oh, why don't they just leave that situation? Why don't they stand up? But if you've been abused over a long period of time, you may not be able to do that. And it's our privilege to come alongside those people and to help them in any way that we can. And especially to point them to the one who loves them, who is truly a husband and a father to them.
0: I love all what you've said. and. I know some women who have escaped abusive marriages. So I have learned a lot about what their lives have been like. I can't begin to imagine what it's like, but I think in this book, you give a very good glimpse of that, as well as the hope, the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, that there can be healing and hope in Christ. Good. I hope so. So you've sort of touched on this, but. Between the abuse that's mentioned in the book and dealt with in the book and the racial divisions that you talk about in the book, what parallels do you see between 1941 and 2021? Oh, I wish I didn't see so many. I think
1: that's certainly the racial divide. Our country's in a real upheaval right now. And I think, you know, I think that in order for change to really happen, the pendulum often has to swing very far in one direction in order to land in the middle. And I think that's where we are now. The divide is very strong. The hopes are very high. I think that was true in 1941 as well. And here's an example. African-American soldiers went into World War II, and our army was segregated and they were not treated well by the American army. They found much better treatment in Europe from the Brits and from the French from different countries than they found at home, and they hoped for double victory. They hoped for the victory to win the war, but they also hoped that their participation in World War II would bring them victory at home, that they would be better treated, more Treated like they'd been treated in England and in Europe. But when they came back, they found that that was not true. And they found a lot of bias. They found that the laws that were created, even the GI Bill that was created to help returning veterans, it was very difficult for black soldiers to take advantage of that, to get the education, to get the loans for housing, to find houses in areas that had not been designated for white families. It was just very difficult for them. So their challenges, even when the laws technically looked like they would be favorable, they were still at a disadvantage. And so I think there are those parallels.
0: So what's the main takeaway that you would say you want your readers to get from the book?
1: I hope that if readers have been In an abusive situation, whether that's because of race or domestic violence or a controlling church or whatever that is, that they will find hope and healing through the pages of this book that will bring them closer to the heart of our Lord. And if a person reading knows anyone or observes anyone who seems intimidated, who they suspect has been or is being abused, But they will reach out to them and help them understand that God loves them, that the abuse, the oppression is not their fault, and that the Lord loves them so much that he sent his son to die for them, that he rejoices over them with singing, and just that there will be hope and healing. At the end of the book, I provide a phone number for the domestic violence hotline, and I hope that anyone in need of that will reach out for help and begin that road to healing. The other thing I've included in the book, the influence and some of the writings of Oswald Chambers' book, My Utmost for His Highest, and I find in that devotional so many convicting and inspiring and uplifting thoughts that have really drawn me closer to the Lord. And so I hope that as readers come across those passages and those influences in the book, that they too will be inspired. Maybe, maybe pick up that book. I love to include the works of other Christian writers or real-life characters from the past that may not be so well-known today that could be a spiritual help and companion to readers today. So all of those things are my hope for readers.
0: Yes. Yes. So well put, and I would say an amen to keeping your eyes out. If you aren't in an abusive relationship, you probably know somebody who is, and they are crying out to you. So open your eyes to those who are hurting and suffering around you, and like you said, Kathy, reach out to them with the love of Christ and offer them the hope that he has in store for them. Now, you mentioned that many of the books that you have written are World War II books, so this is a little bit different time period for you being just prior to World War II and being set in the United States. How was the research for this book different from your World War II books?
1: Well, it certainly didn't involve the details of the Holocaust or the camps that I needed to do for the other books. Um, it didn't involve any travel to Europe. And thankfully, because of the research I'd done there, I knew enough of the history that I could incorporate little bits that might be news really, more news or in the form of information or letters that came from Europe to people in No Creek. But this was different. This was a going home for me. I was born in North Carolina in the foothills. And so it felt like slipping on old comfortable slippers, you know, to walk there. It's a small town. I love small towns. So all of that was different for me. It was interesting, too, that setting it there just helped me realize how much the people in that area had come from historically, and how much they would engage in through the war. So that actually led to the book that will be coming out next year, which is a continuation of No Creek Characters, but it's a time slip. And that will be the American Civil War and World War II. Because as history repeats itself so often, there were correlations between those two time periods
0: as well. That sounds like that's going to be fascinating. And do you have a title for that yet or a release date? Yes, it's called A Hundred
1: Crickets Singing, and it it will be released right now. The schedule is for
0: April of next year, April 2022. Wow, so you're going to make us wait for a year (laughs) to find out what happens. I am, (laughs) I am, but it is
1: exciting. I will tell you this, it all begins when a tree crashes through, during a storm, crashes through the attic of Garden's Gate and a secret room and a trunk with a false bottom is discovered. And uh, so it it is an exciting beginning, and there is a bit of mystery. There is a long-standing wrong that needs to be righted, and it it is a book I'm very excited about.
0: Oh, it sounds good. And now that was even mean just giving us that little glimpse (laughs) because it's going to make it that much harder for us to wait for another year. (laughs) definitely be looking forward to that one good if the listeners would like to keep up with you and be reminded when a thousand crickets singing releases how can they connect with you they
1: can find me on my website at com. oh and this is good if readers would like to sign up for my newsletter there you'll get a free copy of a short story called into the Starry Night and Into the Starry Night is a prequel to Nightbird Calling. It takes place a couple years before the story begins when the characters are a couple years younger, but it will introduce you to some of them and it's just a fun beginning. I'm also on Facebook at Kathy Golkey Books. You can find me on Goodreads and Amazon and Instagram, all those places, Twitter, but I'd say especially my website is the place to find me. I'm very happy. If readers have a book club and would like a virtual book club visit, you can contact me through my website and I'll be happy to do that.
0: Oh, that would be a lot of fun. And to get a free prequel to Nightbird Calling, I think I'm going to be hopping over to your website as soon as we're done here to grab my copy of that as well. Great, great. Do you have any last words for the listeners?
1: I have so enjoyed being with you, Liz, and with your listeners. I hope you'll find my books, and I just hope that most of all that in my books you'll find the Lord, and you'll just be drawn closer to Him and become even more excited than you already are about His love for you and and how He reaches out to each one of us, how He walks in the experiences of our lives and meets us exactly where we are. So I hope that, I pray that for each of your listeners.
0: Thank you so much for being with us. We certainly appreciate your time. You are a gracious and wonderful lady, and we certainly look forward to reading Nightbird Calling. Thank you, Liz. God bless. Wasn't Kathy a wonderful guest and just a real pleasure to listen to. She has so many interesting things to say. I know we could have sat and chatted for quite a while longer, but we will have to have her back on next year when her next book releases. If you would like to know more about Kathy or about Nightbird Calling or where you can purchase the book, please be sure to visit my website, which is LizTolsma.com. All that information and the show notes will be there. If my website is still under construction, which it may well be by the time you get there, then please head over to christianhistoricalfiction.buzzsprout.com. You will still find the show notes and all the links to Kathy and her books will be over there as well. I am so excited I say that all the time. I feel like I say I'm always so excited for the next guest, but I really, really am because I said we have so many good ones coming up. And next week's guest is not an exception to that rule because we will have author Pepper Basham with us. She has a new book out, part of Barber Publishing's Doors to the Past series, And you know, Pepper is always so much fun, and I am really looking forward to getting a chance to talk to her and to share a little bit about her book with you. So be sure to join us for next week's episode featuring Pepper Basham. That's about all the time we have for today. I do so appreciate you taking your time out to listen to the podcast. Thank you for all the wonderful feedback that you've given. Thank you for sharing it with others who love Christian historical fiction. I do appreciate you all so very, very much. We will see you next time.